Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. a book study about, uh, this is week number three on the book of Ephesians. Let me just ask real quick, um, how many of you have enjoyed um, the first couple of weeks? Have you gotten something from the Word of God? I'm excited about uh, the book of, of Ephesians. It's probably my favorite book of the Bible, has been for a long time, because it talks about everything that is available in Christ, and who we are in Christ, and what Jesus has made available to us. That's what the book of Ephesians is all about. And it's really neat, though, when you look at, let me, let me just rephrase that. How many know that when you're studying the scriptures and you're learning a principle that God is trying to teach you, that oftentimes your life will coincide with what you're studying? That life and God's word, sometimes they, they begin to intersect and through his sovereignty, they, they intersect and, and you're able to walk out things you're learning um, in a very practical way, in a very spiritual way as well, and live out the word of God in your particular setting. And the way I want to set this message up, because week one we talked about in Christ, because that's who Paul's writing to, to the people who are in Christ, and week two we talked about what it means to be a saint. You are no longer a sinner, but you are now a saint. Uh, that's, that's how we identify. We are saints of God. We are sons and daughters of God. And so today I want to talk to you about this thought, um, I am appreciated. Everybody say, I am appreciated. Now, for some of you, this is going to be tough um, to, to grab, but by the time we get to the end, I promise it's going to make sense. Uh, so just indulge me for a few minutes. Um, I think it'll make sense because I believe that every, every single person has seasons in their life where they feel undervalued, unappreciated, maybe even unthanked, that you serve, you pour out, you give, and it's like no one appreciates it, no one takes notice. No one stops to say thank you. And then you have seasons where you serve and you give and you, you do what's right and people are thankful, people are appreciative. And so there are two different seasons and when things are going well, it's like, God, I love you and I love your people. But when you don't feel appreciated or you're unthanked, you're like, God, I love you, but I, I'm not so sure about these kids of yours. Anybody feel what I'm talking about? We've all been in seasons where it's like, I love the Lord, but man, your kids are bratty and rude and unthankful and unappreciative. And it's tough because when we respond to moments where we are devalued, moments where we are not appreciated, or where we go... Uh, for maybe a long season, and no one stops to say thank you. When we respond to that according to the flesh, it is sin every time. Because the only response to that is, is to be negative. And the way it shows, shows up in our lives is that it shows up 
in us becoming bitter. It shows up in us becoming angry. Sometimes it filters over and we become self-righteous. We start looking down at other people. We become judgmental. We, we, we begin to grumble and complain. And I know we talk a lot about the, you know, how many know the church, we categorize sin sometimes. And we want to say adultery and drug addiction and this and that. We want to say these things are terrible sins. But the Bible calls complaining and grumbling evil. So it's a big deal in God's eyes that when we grumble and complain. But it's real easy to fall into the trap of grumbling and complaining when we do not feel appreciated. So I got to learn how to respond to seasons where maybe I am unthanked, where no one appreciates what I've done for them, even though I've invested and I've poured and they never even take time out to say, hey, thank you. If they don't do that, I want to be able to respond in a spiritual way. Um, the hard part about this sermon today is that we live in a very um, self-entitled culture. Self-entitled. So much so that if one of our elected officials said, you know, stop asking what your country can do for you and start asking what you can do for your country, we would say, man, that guy's a comedian. Because it's not about our rights. We think everything is about our rights and what we're entitled to. And so in that culture, um, it can be tough because I, I think we can all agree the world is filled with people who are unthankful, unappreciative, and it lacks gratitude. And as we come to Paul's words, and, and I know it's important that we got to finish chapter one, right? This is week three, chapter one still. We're going to finish it today. But we come to Paul's words, and I don't know what season you're in. You may be here, and you feel totally appreciated by the people around you, your coworkers, your family. My spouse loves me. My kids adore me. We celebrate with you, all right? We're, we really are thankful. We're not jealous. We're not mad. We're thankful that it's a good season. But I also understand you may be here today, and you feel very much underappreciated, undervalued, unthanked. It could be from coworkers. It could be from your, your immediate family. It could be from a variety of places. But I understand you may be in this room as well. And the question is, is what do you do with what Paul says in these last eight or nine verses? Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus... And your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, 
the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I'm going to start with a statement that I think will help people who are, if you are in Christ and you are a saint today, which I hope over the first couple of weeks you've, you've gleaned that, you're in Christ, you are a saint, you're a son and a daughter of God, that number one today, you are appreciated by Jesus. And this is so very important because this is where our bitterness comes from. This is where we need people to validate us is because we don't know this, that you are appreciated by Jesus. It's so very important that we get this. Paul said, for this reason, I heard of your faith in Jesus and your love toward all the saints. He said, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Though it's Paul's word, voice, it's God's words. And here, God is not just speaking to people at Ephesus. He's speaking to all his people, including us 2,000 years later and some miles removed. How many of you would say that it would really change the course of your whole day and possibly even the course of your entire life if you knew without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus appreciated you? How many of that's a little bit of a game changer, right? Jesus appreciates me. Now, now as I was talking to, to Pastor Karen about this message, she was like, where are you going with this whole Jesus appreciates us. And I was trying to explain it. I don't know that I did a good job that day, but it was, it was great because I, I, here I am, I'm, I'm preaching it, right? So it, it's like iron sharpening iron. But Jesus appreciates you. If you are in Christ and you are a saint, and what, what I mean by, by him appreciating us is, is in this fact, is that some of us think of God, and if you grew up in church like I did, I grew up, I, like I used to go to sleep underneath. We didn't have chairs. We had pews. And so I would go up under the, the, the pews and play with my little G.I. Joes. And when the service went way too long and revival was a little bit crazy and they were still running around three hours later, um, I would eventually pass out and go to sleep under that pew. Uh, I used the hymn books as a pillow. So I, I know about church. I, I understand uh, the concept of church. But Jesus does appreciate you. And here, here's what I mean. We think that God, uh, if you grew up in that environment like me, that God kind of works like a surveillance camera. A surveillance camera is used um, to catch people doing the wrong thing, right? That's why you have surveillance, to catch people doing the wrong thing. Um, and... I saw God for many years as he's only watching my life. He's got one eye on me so that he can point out when I miss the mark. So he can point out when, when I didn't get it right, when I gave in to the temptation, when I missed the mark that he had set within his word. I, I treated God that way. But here's what you got to understand. God is omniscient, which means he sees everything. Okay, how many of you know God sees everything? 
okay? And when I say everything, he sees all the bad I've done, and that's, that's one way of looking at it. We know God sees all, all things. He sees all the bad we've ever done. But what I didn't see for many, many years is that God not only sees when I miss the mark, but God also sees every time I'm obedient, every act of service, all the generosity, everything I've done with the right spirit and not the wrong spirit. God sees not only when I gave in to temptation, God sees when we say no to temptation. God sees us on the day we were greedy, but he also sees us on the day we were generous. God sees us when we're lazy, but he also sees us serving by the grace of God. How many are thankful that God not only sees what we did wrong, but he takes note of what we get right? It's very important. It's kind of like you only talking to your kids when they mess up. We need to have a talk. And they already know, I messed up. Well, sometimes you need to say, let's have a talk because you got it right. You appreciate the obedience. And so Paul was trying to let the church at Ephesus know that they are appreciated. He said, I, I want to thank God for your faith in Jesus and your love for God's people. I love this because if you're here and you love Jesus and you love the church, the book of Ephesians is for, is for you. If you're here today and you don't love Jesus and you don't love the church, you need to repent so this word is for you. And the reason I say that is because a lot of times we're in the church and we're critical of it. Is the church perfect? No. Is the church blameless? No. Is the church the bride of Christ? Yes. Did he lay his life down for the church? Yes. So if you're more critical than you are beneficial to the body, you're out of line. Ooh, that's going over well. Um, we, 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 want, we want Jesus to take notice of us. We want Jesus to give us a word. But you got to understand the people at Ephesus were loving Jesus and loving God's people. And because of that, there was, a, there was a specific message to them. And this love that Paul is talking about, your, your love for God and your love for God's people, means that they were serving God's people, they were caring for God's people, they were actually praying for God's people. How many times do people ask us to pray for them and we say things like, I'll pray for you? How about we stop and go ahead and pray? I, I mean, Instead of just saying, hey, we'll be praying for you and your family, just stop. I don't care if it's a phone call. I've learned that while I'm on the phone and they call with some, I, I don't say I'll pray for you. I'll just start praying. Like, why would I put off prayer? Why would, I, why would I not go ahead and make the connection in the spiritual realm? And so if you're praying for people, caring for people, you're, you're operating in generosity, you're, you're inconveniencing your own life for the benefit of the body, those are all good things. Paul is commending them for their faith in Jesus and their ability to love one another. Now, if I were to look at you, and I, I told the first service this, maybe that, you know, you guys will be honest, we'll see. Um, but if I were to look you like dead in the eyes, if I came right up to you and I shook your hand and I locked eyes with you and I said, I thank God for you. I am so thankful for you. Now, some of you would be like, awkward, right? <laughs> totally awkward, 
right? And, and, and you know what we've learned to do in the church? We've learned to deflect. And so we can come up to an individual and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for what you do for the kingdom. Thank you for what you made available to me. And we can, we can say that to them. And, and if we're real religious, we say things like, oh, don't thank me. Just give the Lord praise. You know how we are, right? Just, just give, it, give the Lord praise, you know. And, and we, we think we're, we're being helped. But the problem is we, we need to understand there is the art of giving God the glory but being able to stop and look at people and say, we're giving God the glory, but we're thanking you because you were a vessel that God touched my life through. It is okay to give God the glory while thanking people. Does that make sense? And a lot of times we, because that feels awkward to us, because we're, we, we just want to make sure that God gets the glory, he's going to get the glory, but if, but if you give me a word from God and you give me the word and it's a word from God and it, it touches my heart, it heals my life, it changes my mindset, I can give God glory, but I can also thank you for being a willing vessel, a conduit for God to minister to me through you. How many know that's a good thing? We need to be able to thank one another, okay? And that's what Paul's doing. He's thanking them for their love for God, but he's also thanking them for their love for one another. So I'm going to give you five things that occur when you know you're appreciated by Jesus, okay? These things will occur when you already know you're appreciated by Jesus. Number one, appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. They exchange grumbling for praying. Um, when we feel unappreciated or underappreciated, we're all prone to grumble. Um, I've noticed that in my own life. Every, in, in seasons, and as a pastor, there are many seasons you feel underappreciated. If you go into ministry to be appreciated, you better find a new field. Because there's a lot of seeds you'll plant, there's a lot of watering, there's a lot of weeding, and nobody will stop and say, hey, thank you. A lot of people will keep on going, no matter how much you pour out, how much you invent, they'll never stop and say thank you, not even one time. And so you, you don't get into this for that. But in my early years, it used to bother me that you could invest hours into people's lives and no one, like, say, hey, I appreciate that. It's almost expected that you invest, that you make those deposits. And so I would find myself grumbling. And you know what happens when we grumble? We don't go to the person we're upset with and have a, an adult conversation. What do we do when we grumble? We go to other people to talk about the people that have underappreciated us. Now, not only are we grumbling, we are now gossiping. We're, we got two sins going on. Grumbling and complaining, by the way, it is sin. God calls it evil. A whole generation of people missed out on the promise of God for one reason. The children of Israel missed it because they complained. Their complaints were seen as their argument against God's leadership. And so God called it evil and said, because you complain and grumble, you're cut off. And so when we grumble and complain, we don't normally go to the people that were unthankful or ungrateful. We go to other people to talk about the people that were ungrateful and unthankful. 
and now we're grumbling. And we think because we made a spiritual investment that because we made a spiritual investment and they were unthankful that somehow we're in right standing with God while we grumble and now they're in wrong standing with God. Am I preaching all right or is this just way too practical? And so, so we, we begin to grumble and complain and speak to others about how they are unthankful and don't, don't uh, appreciate us. We, we don't go to our boss and say, hey, I'm feeling a little undervalued, you know, think we could work. What do we do? We go to people. Say, my boss don't appreciate me. I do A, B, and we list, y'all know how we are. We list everything we've ever done. We even list things we didn't do. We're just going to add to the list. Like we're going to make it as long as possible. Everything we've ever done. And they are so unthankful. They are so ungrateful. I am so unappreciated in this toxic relationship. You know how people are. And, and you say, well, what's the answer when we feel undervalued, when we feel underappreciated, when they're not thanking us for our contribution? Prayer is the answer. You say, people say it all the time. These people are driving me crazy. We make statements like that. Well, stop talking to people about the people that are driving you crazy and start talking to Jesus about the people that are driving you crazy. And he will help you to exchange the grumbling. Okay, he he will help you get rid of that. But when we don't know we're appreciated by Jesus, what, what's the trap? When I don't know I'm appreciated by Jesus, then I'm going to demand appreciation from you. When, when you look in your life and you start looking at your spouse, they don't appreciate me. My kids, they're ungrateful. My boss, they don't care. You know what's wrong? You're the problem. You don't know that you're already appreciated by Jesus. So much so that he died for you. And as long as you're looking to people to be your source of of thankfulness in your life, you're going to end up miserable, frustrated, and listen, you're going to frustrate all the good people in your life because you're demanding something out of them that you should have already received from Jesus. I am preaching good right now. I know we don't want to hear this, but we need this. I need this. Secondly, appreciated people exchange competing for celebrating. They exchange competing for celebrating. This is what happens when people feel underappreciated or devalued. All of a sudden, we feel like we need to perform better. At least I need to outperform the people who are that, that seem to be uh, appreciated. Like if they're getting an attaboy or they got the raise or they got the promotion, um, I'm going to outperform them because I want that kind of appreciation. And so what it does is it throws us into unhealthy competition. Unhealthy competition. Um, in scripture, there is a healthy competition where it says, like, let us spur one another on to good deeds, to love and good deeds. That's, that's good, but there's also unhealthy competition. And that's where I'm feeling unappreciated, and I'm competing with you because I want to be appreciated the same way that you are. And this is where sibling rivalries take place. This is where, even in marriages, I have seen husbands and wives get jealous of one another because one of them, their career has taken off, and the other one, it has not. 
And instead of celebrating, what do they begin to do? They begin to compete with one another. Co-workers turn on one another. Even in ministry, you'd be surprised at the level of politics people will fall into and jockeying for position, all because they're after one thing, the appreciation of others. They want someone to say, good job, well done, you're doing great. So Paul tells us, if we're falling into that, that we need to stop in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, he says that the God, uh, our Father, he sent the Son into human history to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live among us as one of us and that he lived a life without sin. He died, went into the ground, but how many know he did not stay in the ground? That Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered Satan, he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave. He even conquered the wrath of God that against his sons and daughters. Jesus defeated all that, ascended into heaven, and today he's ruling and reigning from a position of authority. So he's starting with, dear Christian, always appreciate what Jesus has done. Even if people don't appreciate what you've done, you still got something to be thankful for because of what Jesus has done. That's what Paul is trying to get across to the people. You got to be thankful for what Jesus has done. So, so critical that we grab hold of this. And, and then he begins to pray. He says, I'm praying for you that you would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I love, this used to be like a life verse for me for many years. God opened up that scripture to me uh, about a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I would have more knowledge of Jesus, that the whole reason Paul prayed that they would be granted a spirit of wisdom and revelation was so that they would know Jesus better. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you can still know Jesus better. And Paul was not just talking about a knowledge of Jesus. He was also talking about an experience in Jesus. I don't care how great the experiences you've had with Jesus up to this point. I believe that your most impactful experiences with Jesus are not behind you, but they're still in front of you. Anybody thankful to know Jesus better and to experience him more and more as you move forward in that relationship? And so Paul prayed that, that I want you to know Jesus better. I want you to experience him more. He goes on to say, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? He's praying that not only would we know more about him, but we would experience him deeper and more intimately. And this is where the ministry of the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, now resides on the inside of us. And I think sometimes we think Jesus left and now we're like orphans. But he said very clearly, I'm not leaving you like orphans in the world, but the same Spirit, this, this another comforter, I'm going to send him. And it's going to be better that the Holy Spirit be in you than me beside you. And that is the Spirit that lives in us. And how many of the Holy Spirit is consistently making Jesus known? That's what he's doing. He testifies of Jesus. He makes him known to us. And so we want to, we want to exchange competing for celebrating. Number three, appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. Now, if you feel unappreciated, it, it, it's not wrong to feel that. 
But there is a wrong way to deal with that. We've all been unappreciated. Everybody in this room has felt that. Let's just take a poll. How many of you have ever felt unappreciated? Come on, raise your hands. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying, you're going to hell. <laughs> I'm kidding. Just messing with you. We've all felt unappreciated. Now, it can come from a variety of places. Sometimes you feel unappreciated in your marriage. Sometimes as a parent, like your kids don't care about the investment you're making. Sometimes at your job, you, you pour, you invest, and it seems like nobody takes notice. And what happens is when we, be, when we feel unappreciated and we respond, not, not through the word of God, but we respond in a fleshly manner, the end result of that is bitterness. We become bitter. Anytime you meditate on how you are not appreciated, that will turn in to bitterness. And if you've ever had a car, how many of you have ever had a car that was, and right now the way they're doing all this road work around here, like it can knock your car out of alignment real quick. But how many of you, of you have ever had your car out of alignment and, and your car just wants to drift, right? It just wants to pull one way or the other. This is what bitterness does to our soul. Bitterness will begin to pull our life in a direction that we don't necessarily want to go, but we're going to go in that direction automatically if our heart is not healed. It, it, will, it will begin to pull our life off the rails. It, it, it'll take us out of what God has for us and take us down a road we don't even want to travel. And sometimes we're crazy about what we're bitter over because we're so bitter, we know it's bad, we know it's poison, we know we need to get rid of it, but our pride won't let it go. Well, they just didn't honor me. They just don't respect me. They just don't appreciate me. We go on and on and on. And what you're, what you're saying may be true. Maybe they don't. But what we've been trying to build in this message is Jesus does appreciate you. And whether or not anybody else ever stops to say, thank you, I love you, you are so important to me, they may not ever say it, but Jesus has already demonstrated his love and appreciation for you in that while you were a sinner, he went to the cross and died in your place. He's already shown you, you are appreciated, you are loved, whether anybody else takes note of that or not. And listen to me, there's going to be days, there's going to be weeks, there's going to be months, there may be even be years where that's all you're going to have. And is that enough? Is it enough that Jesus appreciates you? Or do you need everyone else to appreciate you? Is it enough that Jesus demonstrated his love? Or are you going to need everybody else to stop and tell you how amazing you are? This is, this is great, isn't it? Anybody encouraged? The Apostle Paul, he talks about how Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power. He's over all the spirits, angels, demons, every, everybody, everything. He's been given dominion. All these wonderful things. And guess what? In Christ, we are seated in Christ in a heavenly place which means the enemy is already under our feet. We're already in a place of victory. 
When we feel unappreciated, though, we become bitter. We become jealous. We get upset. Our, our feelings get rubbed the wrong way. And what Paul is trying to help them see is to see Jesus as giving himself as a gift to us. And that he is now ruling and reigning over Satan, demons, nations, people, places, all these wonderful things. In Philippians 2, he says that it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So when we, you say, why are you telling us all that? When we make it about our name, we'll get bitter. Because it was never about your name to begin with. It's only about one name. So when we sit around saying, well, nobody honors me, will they appreciate me? Will they compensate me? Will they reward me? Nope, 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 nope. Because it ain't about your name, baby. It's about one name. And, and last time I checked, your name ain't Jesus. If you believe it's about one name, can we give that one name a praise today? When you do a series like this and you're walking through the scriptures, you just got to pastor a little bit. This ain't fun. I would much rather just get up and, you know. I would. I would. But we got, how many know we need what I'm talking about? We need to exchange bitterness for thankfulness. It, it's part of growing in our relationship with Christ. He said, I thank God for you all the time. You're continually in my prayers. I love this, that the Apostle Paul sitting in jail praying for God's people who are not in jail. And, and when you think about this, the Apostle Paul is in jail not because he held up someone at gunpoint at a liquor store. It wasn't because of tax evasion. The Apostle Paul is in jail for preaching the gospel. And instead of having a pity party saying, look at what I've done for all you jokers, all you all that just got saved, you're welcome. But it's lonely in here. Could you come and visit me? Because if you don't, I'm going to be offended and go to hell over it. And when you come visit, can you bring me a ham sandwich? I'm hungry, I'm single, I'm broke, I ain't got nobody in here with me, everybody hates me. And instead of making it about himself, he's thanking God for the people. He's praying for the people. How does Paul do that? Because Paul understands that to be in relationship with Christ means you died. Your life is no longer about you. And this is the part of the gospel that we don't really like because what we've done in America is that we want to invite Jesus to come be a part of our life. We have our own life and we invite Jesus in to be a part of it and now we're Christian. It's a false gospel. Nowhere does the Bible say we add Jesus into our life. But the gospel is that you lay your life down to follow Jesus. That's the only gospel. 
And I don't say this as a, I won't, you, you're not going to hear me mention ministries, pastors, churches. That's not who I am. It's not my heart. I want to see people make it to heaven. But these messages out there that you listen to where it's just add a little bit of Jesus and you're good with God, it's not. The Bible says to count the cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. The Bible says deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. I don't add Jesus as a little part of my life and now I'm ready for heaven. I give Give up my life for his. And that's the gospel. And that's why we can be saved and in church and be bitter. Because we're adding Jesus to our life instead of making him our life. Number four, appreciated people exchange performing for serving. Two people can be doing the same thing. And one person, one person is doing it with an attitude of performing, and the other is doing it with an attitude of serving. Two totally different motives. Paul is not performing. He's not performing at all. He is totally serving God and serving God's people. He's not like, oh, enjoy this book that I wrote. I'm varsity, y'all JV, which he could have. I mean, pretty brilliant. None of that. He's not telling us things that he's done. He's not bragging about what he's accomplished, and he had a lot he accomplished, a whole lot. Most of us, if we were in the similar shoes as Paul, Instead of thanking God for the people and praying for the people, we would probably be like, dear universe, and then we would list all the things we've accomplished. We would have it certificate on the wall. We would have the degrees beside our name. Everything we've, we would just make sure the whole world knew. Yeah, I'm Paul. I speak 10 languages. I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I converted cities. Right? That's how a lot of us would be. But Paul is not doing that at all because he's not interested in performing. He had given his life up. He leveraged his entire life to point people to one person, and that was Jesus. And when you look at the difference between performance and serving, here's a few of the differences. Performance causes us to be enslaved to others' opinions, unable to say no, and prone to being overworked. Service frees us to do what God wants, thereby saying no is sometimes needed. Performance presses us towards perfectionism, where we seek to do everything just right so that others will praise us. Service allows us to do our best knowing that God's appreciation of us is secure regardless of our performance. Performance causes us to focus on the quote-unquote big things, while service allows us to focus on the quote-unquote little things. Performing is where people are an audience and you want their praise. Serving is where God is the audience. I'm convicted by Paul's life and his example that no matter what he had going on, he continued to serve. He's in prison, and from prison, he is serving the church. 
So many of us would struggle with that because Paul wrote in Corinthians, he talked about how he was beaten, shipwrecked, left out at sea, and yet with all those terrible things, he listed at the very end of that, he said, but my main concern was one thing, and that was the well-being of the church. Because his love for God and his love for God's people was even more important than what he was going through. Number five, I'm going to give you one more. Appreciated people exchange boasting for encouraging. They exchange boasting for encouraging. When we feel unappreciated, the temptation is, there's kind of levels to this, but we begin to obsess about making known everything we do. And I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but when we feel underappreciated, we're going to be quick to post what we accomplish. When we feel underappreciated, we're going to make sure we tell everybody what we did. I've met Christians who were so, I guess felt so underappreciated that they would talk about how many hours they served and how many hours they worked and what they did, and it's just like list after list. And, and if they don't get the reaction they want from that, you know what happens next? They begin to exaggerate. And exaggeration is really, let's just call it what it is, it's lying. we got to make it sound better than it really is, and we're going to keep going along with it until somebody says, hey, you're amazing. Wow. I've never known anyone to serve Jesus the way you do. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to give me something. This is, this is the second time I've been through this sermon. It's, it, it's tough up here. But y'all know how people are. They want to list. I, I've had people around me, I worked 72 and a half hours this week on the kingdom. What am I supposed to say? Praise the Lord. <laughs> what are you supposed to say? I, praise the Lord. <laughs> Y'all don't get my humor at all, but I'm being a little facetious right now. But they exaggerate, they lie, you know, all these things. And then they get the praise for it. They finally get somebody to say, good job, you know, boy," And they receive this appreciation for lies they're telling now. All because they are so desperate to feel validated. So desperate to feel appreciated. The Apostle Paul, instead of boasting, how many know that if anybody could have boasted, it was Paul? I can sometimes look at Bethesda Church and the years I've served here and all that God's did, and it really is miraculous. I mean, there's no, no doubt about it. It's miraculous what God's done. It's, it's amazing. But you put this against Paul's work. Let's just not add this on the list. Let's just put Paul's on there, right? I mean, if anybody could boast, it would have been Paul. He had zero interest in boasting. Zero interest in saying, well, I raised dead people. Or I converted cities. Here's the photos on social media of the riots I caused. Because every time he went to a city, riots would break out. 
because of the power of God on this man. But he was not interested in boasting. He was constantly encouraging others, even from a jail cell. Not feel sorry for me. I'm praying for you every day. You're in Christ. You're saints. You're appreciated by Jesus. This is him in a jail cell, encouraging the body of Christ. How many know that we could do a better job of encouraging one another instead of boasting about what we've accomplished? I want you to stand to your feet, stand to your feet. I'm gonna end with this last point. With everything we've learned about being appreciated, and you are appreciated by Jesus, and we're gonna make these exchanges, but I wanna ask you today, who do you need to thank? Because though we're not living for the appreciation of people because we were already appreciated by God. So I, whether you honor me or appreciate me, irre, irrelevant. At the end of the day, I gotta love Jesus and keep going after him, okay? But that does not negate this truth, that if I'm following Jesus, and I'm in love with him, and I care about him and his church, which is who Paul's writing to, people who love him and care for his church, it means that I should have no problem looking you in the eye when you're doing the right thing and say, thank you. Because we honor, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. Today, who is it that you need to take to coffee and say thank you? Who's made an impact on your life that you just need to say, you know what, thank you for your service? Who is it that you need to say thank you to because they show up here hours before you get here and they prepare the building and they prepare the ministry and they work for hours just preparing to, to help you encounter? Who is it that you might need to call and say, you know what, thank you for the investment you've made in my life? Again, We'll give him the glory, but I should have no problem saying thank you to you. If you're a vessel of God, a conduit of God, we ought to be able to thank one another and encourage one, one another. Did you get anything from the word of God today? I feel worn out. I'm just going to be real honest. This one has worn me out. This morning, I'm going to pray for two groups of people. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. I want, to, I want to pray first off and give an opportunity for people that are in this room that you're here today and you would say, Pastor, the truth is I'm not right with God. I'm, I know I'm not right. I have sin in my life that need, I need to repent, turn from, to follow Jesus. I'm going to make it that clear cut. Getting saved is not a prayer. Getting saved is turning from your sin to follow Jesus. He uses prayer to help us begin the journey, but the prayer is not what salvation is about. It's about following Jesus. So if you're here and you say, I got sin in my life, I need to repent, I need to turn to change to follow Jesus. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me today. I wanna make things right with God. Thank you for this hand back here. God bless you. I see that hand. Here's another one here in the middle. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? I don't want to miss you. I think we've got eyes laid on these two individuals. Thank you, Compass Team. There's a third one in the very back back there. I see that hand. God bless you. So good. Listen, we're going to pray. 
out loud so that we can all hear it with our own ears. And then we're going to do a, a, an altar call. But I want us to pray out loud with these three hands that went up. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself, so I ask you, Jesus, to save me. Forgive me. Today, I repent for my sins, and I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give it up for those three individuals. Come on, make a little noise in the house. So good. I'm going to ask that our prayer team, if you would, go ahead and get in place. And I want to speak very specifically. If you need prayer for anything at all, the altars are open. But I want to be very specific that if you're in this room and you feel like, you know what, pastor preached a message. And the truth is, I have felt very unappreciated, maybe unthanked people that I thought would stop and say thank you didn't. I, I, I want to go ahead and encourage you. I've experienced that over and over and over. I totally feel you. But you got to get to a place whether, whether or not anyone ever stops and says thank you that it's enough that you are appreciated by Jesus. Because if you don't, you'll end up in a cycle and it'll be a rat race on the rat wheel and you'll You'll constantly be tempted in your marriage, in your parenting, in your, with your coworkers of needing that validation. But with that being said, if you need God to touch that area of your heart, you need God to do a healing in that part of, of your emotions today, how many know the Holy Spirit can do surgery in about two minutes right here and do a work in your heart and change that, amen? The altars are open. The worship team's going to lead us. Let's give Jesus one more praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.